Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different. And for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Well, John, let's get cracking, man. Enough about us. Tonight's conversation, obviously, part of a series of discussions we're going to be having over the next few weeks. Where do I start with my session objectives? Where's your mind taking you to on, you know, your first thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm actually really excited. I can't wait to get interaction from everyone. And please, everyone who's listening, you know, at any point, uh, feel free to unmute yourself or request to speak because um, that's what we want, myself and Yaz, is that interaction. I was thinking about this in the sense of developing decision makers, right? Which is the the webinar that we've got coming up in July. So where do I start my session objectives? Well, first of all, I always try and think what experiences do I want the players to have? That's my first sort of thought. I know there's a lot that we can probably unpack here, but for me, I'm 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 I'll go into a bit of an explanation. I, I'm I'm designing a session. And I've got to think about, you know, what is the main focus of the session? What is it that I'm doing tonight? And how does that sort of balance the team versus the individual? So that I'm making sure that everything I'm doing, when they leave that field, they've gained something. Because that's going to have an influence on whatever the objective is. Is You know, the learn activities are an important part of that session objective, right? The design, the, the, the session design. So, you know, one thing I'd say to everyone listening as I explain this is, you know, if you were to share the session plan, or not even the session plan, the session objectives before with the players, would they instantly know what it is that they're working on? Because I asked this question to a coach recently, as, and the answer was no, just because, it, you know, the objectives didn't line up with what it was that he was uh, coaching within the, the different practices, the different activities within the session. So there wasn't an alignment there. And also it was too complex, you know, the terminologies that were being used, the language, etc. So for me, I think every objectives, where do I start? It's I've, I've got to think about 
the players. It's not for my benefit, it's for them. So how does this allow us to assess their progress, their learning, their success during and after the, the, the session? So, you know, one simple step, what I'd like to share with everyone, or two, I should say, is there's almost like this triangle, if you like, and I'll, I'll share an image as well on Twitter, uh, which is like, what do I want the, the, the players to learn? What teaching and learning activities will I use in order to help this? And, and how will this allow me to check for understanding? So when I'm designing my objectives, I'm thinking about the players, checking for understanding and the end in mind. That's one of the first things. So all of a sudden I'm going, you know, as an example, um, I want the players to get better at when we lose the ball, that defensive transition to go and apply pressure and go win it back, right? So the end in mind could be that in the game, those light switch moments when we lose the ball, we're just not reacting well. Players are taking too long to get back into shape or to recover or track runners or just apply pressure. You know, even the person who's closest to the ball who who lost it, how quickly can they react and and apply pressure? Because they're probably the closest player to go and affect it. So what does that look like at the age and stage that I'm working with? I'm just, for an example out there, Yaz, so then I might go, okay, so my objective for that would be how can I gain clarity on the moments when to apply pressure when we lose it? Because that's going to have an influence then on, you know, the design of the activities, the principles that we're working on, etc., and how I sort of gain understanding. So one thing, you know, I'd be happy to share with people is almost that I think we've got to first define what do we mean by session objectives because there's a lot of terms people use, right? Learn objectives, outcomes, intentions, all these things. Well, for me, objective is a simple statement or a bullet point that, that clearly defines the desired outcome of the training. So if we have that definition in mind, well, what's the headline for tonight? So that's the question I'd ask everyone in the room is, what is the headline tonight? Headline meaning like the number one thing that you want them to go away with. So that's where I start with. So for me, it was I'm throwing a, I'm I'm making up an example. It might be that defensive transition. Well, my headline might be around that. Then I'll sort of then think about what the objectives look like. So it might be one objective, two or three, which is you know who's going to apply pressure and when. And how, what are the timings and the and the, the, the timing of approach, or angle of approach? Do they understand how and why to do that? That could be the objective. So it's based on whatever the the headline is. And obviously that will affect the, the sort of menu of activities that follow. And I think a cool way of doing that would be, um, and I'll share it so everyone can read it, because I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Yaz, as well, is almost like an ABCD approach. So if you're writing your session objectives, and, you, and I'm trying to simplify this as well without going too complex, whether it's playing forward, whether it's ability to work on the first touch or building, whatever the topics are, the objectives have to align, right? So first of all, you can almost review it by thinking, well, what's the audience? So A, B, C, D, A is audience. So the learners for who, the players who are the objective set for, right? How, are they, how does that reflect to their needs, who is in front of us? The the behaviour and the language, because the verb describes what they're going to, the audience, the player, are going to be able to, to do. 
it's going to, you know, example, it'll describe, explain, um, you know, analyze, whatever. That It's going to influence their behavior. So the terminologies or the words, the verbs that we use in that objective have to be aligned to that. We have to have that in our mind, whether it's the how, the why, the when, because these are key questions, aren't they? As I think you mentioned this to me the other day of almost designing sessions like a question. And then that will reflect, obviously, the, the conditions that we implement to achieve those objectives and, and to what degree our behavior is is demonstrated to, to, to help players perform at the maximum, to learn and grow. So I'll probably stop there. Um, again, great to get your insights on this, Yaz, and everyone else's. And just thinking about the clarity, like why we designed that objective in the first place, how does it allow us to check for understanding and, and how does that, the language sort of allow us to think about what the activities will do. That's where I'm, I'm sort of summarising. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot in there. And, um, my mind can go in so many different ways in this one. I think the first piece is though around, you know, developing an understanding around, or rather, whether we should go with an individual objective or collective objectives. And obviously, if you look at the last point that you've made there about deciding what the, what the objective is for everyone, it's, I think, I think the, you know, if I'm playing devil's advocate, the, you know, the question is probably on many people's minds as well. How do we decide that in the first place before we even set the objective? How do we how do we decide whether to go down team or collective route? And I think the more and more I think about it, it's well, not everything has to be individualized. It's got to be. It's got to be a collective outcome for the team. What are we hoping for? Um, what you know? How do we want the team to play and whatnot? But what does that look like for each individual within it? And does every individual within it then need to have the same objectives in the sense that you know? If we're working on passing and receiving, is it one v one situations that we're working on? Okay, fine. If it's a one v one situation we're working on, does the fullback have the same outcomes in that one v one that maybe the the wide player does, or or you know, vice versa, as an example? So I think that's one aspect of it. I think the other part of it is it's interesting. I had a conversation with a couple of coaches recently, and it, you know, exploring the idea of well, if you've got a practice or a session that you're putting on. How do you rationalise it for the players? How do, you know, how do you explain it to players without either A, throwing the question back at them in terms of well, how often does this come up in your game? Well, yeah, that's fine, but why are we doing it? You know, Can we, can we rationalise it as coaches? Why are we doing this? Not because it just happens in the game or it's a quote-unquote fundamental part of the game, but how much of their game is it fundamental to? How often does it happen in their game? Does it even happen in their game as much as you think it does? Where's the evidence for that? You know, how often do they have to deal with, you know, if we use maybe a, a bit more of a universal thing, set pieces, or how often are set pieces worked on, but how often are they actually a part of the game? Well, you know, it's depending on what level you work at, whether it's first team or senior level and, and, and all the way down, when do you start to introduce it? Actually, fundamentally, it's a big part of every single game, regardless of what stage it's in. But why does it always seem to get much more focused at the top end of the spectrum than maybe earlier on? Is there an argument for, you know, should it be brought in sooner? Should there be more emphasis on it? Is there enough support for coaches around how to actually deliver and support with it? So I think there's so many different ways you can go with it. I think in terms of starting with the objectives, I think it's from a an evidence-based platform, if you like, Deciding what are, what are key pillars to what the team needs to be able to do, 
and then using that as an as an you know as a point of reference to say okay fine if this is what the team need to do what does that mean for the player profiles and the, and the and the job functions of the players within that process if that makes sense yeah kind of a bit of a ramble there but I don't know what your thoughts are there on Jared no I think this is bang on because I mean there's there's a lot of directions we can go in it but I think you're right as I was saying before it's to me there's that balance of how much of it is focused on the team versus the individual. And you can achieve both, can't you? Obviously, it'd be great if every player has an individual challenge, their own individual objective. But the session itself will be an objective for the player. You know, the, the you know if we design a practice thinking about this team concept that we're trying to improve the team on, ultimately, the player's own objective by accident or by design is can I understand what the coaches want me to get better at? You know, do we have an understanding of that collective message? Because that's an objective in itself. Even though it hasn't been explicit, it's implicit um, by design. I think there's a, a balance in the Yaz. I think you hit a really good point on there, which is around checking for understanding. That's why I think, where do I start my objectives? I think we've got to think about when we're planning for the players, how does it relate to their game, as you talked about? And you mentioned some other things about how often it happens in the game, whatever, and is this what they need? But we've got to think about, you know, what does good look like? What does bad look like? Um, what are we looking for, you know, with these objectives? Is it going to be achievable for the players? Because we've got to be able to check for understanding. And we can, that comes back to my first point when I said about, you know, if you shared it with the players, would they understand what you meant? that headline, a lot of the time we set objectives, but they're too advanced for the players. You know, we might be we might have too many objectives for the session or the one objective in itself might be something that can't be achieved in one session, you know, and that's okay as well. Maybe it's over a, a library of different sessions or over a month or whatever. Sorry, as I see, you got your hand up. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, obviously you made a point there about... Um them understanding the objectives and, and whatnot. But I think it's also it's one thing them understanding, but it's also them it's also them agreeing with it. I think you know, if you're gonna provide, you know, any session objectives or any, any observations on their game, I think it's important to see A, is that how they've perceived it? Have they even perceived those observations? Where are the thoughts on the observations that have been made? And if it hasn't been something they perceived um consciously now that they've had to think about it and bring it to the forefront of their minds can they actually you know can they actually think back to where this might be relevant for them because i think it's all well and good us saying oh well here's an objective for you do you understand it and actually unpacking it with them getting the clarity of understanding and all of that they could understand it and just not agree with it and i think if we can get them to the point where we get them on board and agree with it not to say that we're trying to convince them because if they disagree with it then I think it's a useful information for us as well but if we can get them on board and have an agreed shared understanding of the relevance and the appropriacy of the of the of the of the objective itself I think that does a lot for me in terms of building the credibility and they're getting getting their buy-in to actually want to work towards the objective as well sorry I just thought I might add that in off the back what you said no, that's brilliant. I mean, you're absolutely right because the, the players now, they want to know. We all do. It's the clarity, isn't it? You know, what's the relevance to me and why? Why are we working on this today? Because it, it, that's a, a fundamental piece of 
I think we don't always appreciate. We'll often throw this stuff out, or we'll, we'll we'll sort of force feed what they're having to eat, if you like, with the how we design these sessions. But actually, we've got to remember, like, what's the relevance to them as an individual in their journey, and is this something for all, or is it just for one or two? How how can we get a benefit for all? but then also really amplify one or two or, or certain individuals within that experience as well. So I think it's it's good. And I think a good point to, to probably expand on is when we're designing session objectives, how game-like are they? So the objective has to really have the end in mind. And I think that'll obviously influence how we plan the session versus, you know, almost going like back I'm trying to think of the right way here you know the, the probably the most way we might do it often is um, a backward design uh, and I think that could add a lot of benefit as well I don't really thought out on that Yaz but actually thinking about you know what does it look like in that final game scenario how does that relate to this early step and really it could probably just be one clear objective might be the whole mission for tonight which is a question of how we how we solve this problem, and then that way it's it's designed to engage with the players because often the objectives we might write how engaging are they with the players because that might be the intention of the session, but how are we engage in players within that experience. So how can we capture their imagination? How can we inspire them? How can we involve them? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a, there's a couple of things that are just going from my head as you're speaking. Then I think one of the things I've um... Probably not tried often enough, but I think it, 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 I think it definitely does work. In my opinion, is breaking up the pitch and putting practices on based on the position of the players. It sounds so basic, I know, but it's it's one of them ones where, as an example, um, you know, the overall objective for the team. We know we have a philosophy where we want our teams to maybe build through the thirds. As an example, well, okay, well, what does that look like? Or well, in one in one instance, it might be that actually we want to we want to encourage our centre backs to drive out. Okay, fine. So, if we know we want our centre backs to drive out, how far up the pitch are they going to go when they drive out? What are they going to encounter when they actually change and make a decision beyond it? So they might under come out towards the edge of the final, the edge of the defending third, and now they finally approach with a team that likes to sit in. As an example, okay, brilliant. What's the next piece? Okay, well once they play a pass, the ball's going to go from it being, you know, in the central channel to maybe one of the wide channels into the wide area, the fullback or whoever. So you set up those two practices so that those that's where the practice starts and ends. And then once they get the repetition of doing those two practices, it's, almost, it's, it's kind of like a carousel, but it's not because they're not rotating around the practices, depending on what age group you're working with, of course, as well. But you're actually just, you've got them working on their piece of the jigsaw, if that makes sense. And they're just getting repetitions of that. And then when they've got enough repetitions of that, you you bring you start to merge both of them in. So rather than having two separate pieces, it's almost like you you melt in the edges so that it becomes one. If that makes sense, and they merge it together, and now all of a sudden you've got to start a slightly bigger practice with more players and more context. Then you start to build in the other side of the pitch, and so on and so forth. Eventually, you end up with eleven v eleven. But coming back to your point about reverse uh, design, essentially, is you need to know what the end goal looks like, and then you need to then again know what the role of the players are within that practice in leading up to that end goal. Strip it back, strip it back, strip it back. Who's involved? Who's not involved? Both from the in possession team, and the out possession team. Where do they, where do they, you know, marry up on? Where does the, where does their decision change if certain things aren't in place? So, for instance, if I've got, you know, the intention of wanting to play out from the back and I want to do it from my defending third from the goalkeeper. Well, fundamentally, if I ain't got a goalkeeper, that ain't gonna work. So I need a goalkeeper in there. Um, 
where does that what does that look like then for my centre backs? Well, if I play two at the back, then I've got to have my two centre backs. But then if I've got two centre backs, and then the opposition are typically going to have two up front or one up front, then I need to have that player in there or that those players in there too. Because without those players in there, the decision making is obviously then impacted because the variables are different. And I think when you start breaking it down from that perspective across the pitch and strip it right back, and obviously this is not a one-person job, it's not one coach job, um, especially if you want to try and do multiple sections of the pitch in one go and simultaneously so that everyone's getting a piece of the action, if you like, that's relevant and appropriate to them and their position. But it might be where you're working with a team of coaches or you might decide, actually, do you know what? This is the end goal, week one or session one. We're going to work on what it looks like as the three phases and break it up into the lanes of the of the midfield of the defending third as an example. So you've got your right sided defending third, left sided defending third, mid uh, the mid the central side of defending third. Okay, brilliant. So now you've got those three sides. You've got three count three simultaneous practices, and then you develop it. Or you might go actually, we're going to work through the central areas of the pitch, or we're going to work through a central area of the pitch and defending third, and through the wide area of the pitch on the on the midfield third, because that's where the ball, we that's where you know based on how we want the team to play, that's where we want the ball to go next. Again, gone on a bit of a ramble, but ultimately what I'm saying is if you start to look at it and break it down in each section of the pitch and use each section as almost like a jigsaw for the bigger piece, well, you, you're not going to be able to put it together unless you know what the full image looks like anyway. So know what the image looks like, strip it back, and then you can actually decide and be able to easily identify, observe and diagnose which pieces may or may not be missing as and when they are. I love it. Well, you know, as you, you're sort of talking to me, I'm just thinking as well, before we... we obviously get some people in as well because I'd be interested to know you know what best practice have other people done how do they plan their sessions because it'll look different for everyone right I imagine most people probably go to more the graphic the actual image they'll draw the session design they'll probably write a title they'll go more to the design and then they'll start to think about the individual intricacies of, of each activity within the session whether it be the conditions the rules whatever I've been to know, you know, while that looks for other people, but as you were talking there, it made me think, well, how, what would be, could this be a really good tool where we share the session activity beforehand? It's so like the image, you know, like some of us will do it on a flip chart paper, we'll do it on the whiteboard, or we might send them the digital copy and asking the players, what are the objectives for tonight to almost get them to think like, I mean, that's where my head went when you were talking about that, because everything's, field geography where possible if you've got the facilities or whatever but if you actually send that image could you almost challenge players to go hey here's what the the aim like this activity is doing what's the objectives for you in this session because then you're getting them to pull the an- like you're pulling the answers from them versus us you know uh, sort of giving the answers to them yeah sorry, no guys. sorry just um just had a few more thoughts in my head as you're talking. I just want to put my hand up before I lose them. I think uh, one thing that's really key in, uh, in that, I think it's really important that we do share session objectives before the session because I think that, that adds to what, what I was saying earlier about the credibility piece and players understanding, well, why? Why are we doing this? Are we doing this because you've just rocked up today and this is what we're doing? Or have you done this because there's some thought gone beforehand? I think even if you don't have the rationale beforehand, if you provide the session beforehand, I think that in itself already shows some element of prep um, and then there's subsequently some credibility built off the back of that. But I think if you can provide the rationale beforehand, even just kind of multiplies that and amplifies the possibilities of what the credibility could look like. And then furthermore, beyond that, I think, yeah, using an image is great. Um, personally, something that I'm just, I just thought of while you were speaking, then I think would be probably a great idea. Get a passage of play, if possible. 
um, if possible, of the players that you're working with. If not, a, a, a kind of a representative example of what you want them to kind of be able to work towards, bearing in mind, very, very importantly, bearing in mind that if you're working 9v9, if you're working 7v7 or whatever, that's not an 11v11 format, do not use footage of an 11v11 team and then expect them to understand the pictures because they may not. They may not understand their role in the process because actually their role doesn't exist in that process or vice versa. So that's one aspect of it. So I think if you can, get, get a clip. Just one clip is enough of your team doing what it is that you want them to do. A good example of it. And then what you might just simply do is actually just challenge the players, right? In order for this to have been successful in the way that it was, what did it require for you as an individual to be able to do? And what were some of the considerations you were making or you would make going forward for that to occur? Just, I don't think, I don't, I don't think we need to go to the point of anything beyond that because I think that alone just starts to stimulate their engagement around the session. You know, I, I recently put a clip similar like that together before a, before a match day for, for a group of players. And I asked them a slightly different question. I just asked them to unpack what they saw and you know what what the what some of the annotations meant to them um, as individuals and based on different positions. So it was along the same lines, but fundamentally, what happened was is they came in, and it was easy because I clipped it, I put it on, sent it out, and they were able to access it via WhatsApp chat, so they can watch it on their way in, or they, if they didn't want to spend the time beforehand to look into it. But everything was there for them, and all they had to do was then just watch it two three minutes, bang, on the day. Quick, quick recap. What were you, what, you know, what was your thoughts? What was your, th what were your ideas around it? And obviously, you might do this at different ages. You might start it later than some. Um, you know, I'm not saying start it with seven year olds or eight year olds. You could do. You might give them a small snippet, but fundamentally, you start getting them to see actually how much of what I just did was conscious. And if it was conscious, what would I be thinking about? What does impact on my ability to do it? Bearing in mind now, I'm watching myself back. If it is them, of course, you're now thinking, well. What could I have done differently? Why did I decide to do that over that? And these are start, hopefully, by putting the piece of footage together in the first place and presenting it in that way, you're starting to kind of maybe just plant a seed around all the thoughts and considerations that can come around it. Because, you know, if we go back to the you know the theme of what we're here talking about here, you saw my session objectives, but fundamentally part of a series of working towards developing decision makers. These are things they need to be aware of. You know, I'm, 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 I'm not of the of the mind to believe that players should just play and not be able to I don't think they need to articulate necessarily verbally what they're doing or why they're doing it I don't I don't necessarily believe that but they, they they need to have some they need to be conscious about what they're doing because if they're conscious about it then you know there should be more opportunities for them to recreate those opportunities that where they had success if that makes sense again gone on a bit of a ramble but yeah hopefully give you some context of where my mind, my mind's going with it G. No, I love it. I think this is all good because, you know, one thing we're starting to talk about now is we're planning session objectives. We're thinking about where do we start? So we've got this game problem. Okay, and then how does that relate to, which we'll talk about in some of the other Twitter spaces, I know, you know, our game model, our game style, our philosophy or whatever it may be. How does this relate to how we want to play? And then obviously then how their game looks. And then that'll influence, obviously, what that looks like at the, at the sort of single episodic level. 
I think this is a good place to start because, you know, if we're thinking about session objectives, how can we prime them to how they land to the session? And that's where my head was going then when you were talking there was I think that's a great point of almost sharing information so that you're priming them prior to that arrival to the practice. Because it's just going to mean that the, the sort of transitions in between activities and everything else are more seamless. There's a better understanding, better engagement. So I it's, love it. Yeah, it's I not even just that, though, Joe. I think, I think just on top of that, it's also, it gives them an opportunity. You know, we talk all the time about players taking ownership and having accountability around their own learning. It actually gives them that platform to say, hold on a second, coach. This bit doesn't really make sense. And actually, where do I fit into this process? And it might actually be that off the back of that, you have the honest conversation sometimes, which may actually be the case. Well, mm, Gerard, you know what? You're spot on. But, you know, I mean, I'm glad he's picked up on that. But today, the focus isn't you. But this is where we now start to challenge you in terms of, right, how do we keep you engaged, knowing that the focus isn't on you? And maybe start to support you in different ways, getting you to see it from a different perspective. Actually, Gerard, you're going to be a secondary player in these practices today. Or whatever that looks like. So, you know, you're still priming them. But you're also priming them for the for the eventuality that actually they're not always going to be the focus of the session, and there are you know the platform is there for them to check and challenge on that because you know fundamentally if we can build that relationship with the players where they feel comfortable to do that, we get to a point where actually it becomes a two way process. Um, you know, and I was having a conversation with a coach the other day about the importance of allowing players to challenge you. For me, I used to see it as you know. From early on, I used to see the word, actually, I, I love this. I love the fact that the players are challenging me because it actually puts keeps me on my toes and makes makes me want to have the right answers. And not not, not to say that I can't ever be wrong, but it wants it, 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 it you know it challenges me to go that one step further and make sure that actually I, I, I do have a real reason and evidence behind why I'm doing what I'm doing or why I'm saying what I'm saying. And if I can't necessarily articulate it, I've got enough knowledge and experience, hopefully, from the question that they've asked to be able to demonstrate it to them, uh, whether whether that's myself or whether that's walking it through in a different way. So I think there's there's a, there's, a, there's so many benefits to being able to do it. And it's not just about priming them for the session ahead, but then it might even be right. Actually, this week, this is the focus. But in three weeks' time, this is going to be the focus. But we need to lay the foundations here before we get to that part because they might be thinking, well, why can't we just go to that part as well? Like, fundamentally, our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. 
Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Mentally, unless we're having these conversations with players, we're never going to know where they're at and whether they're engaged with what we're currently doing or just doing it. Yeah, sorry to cut you, did you? No, this is great because as I'm thinking about it, it's just the accountability piece, isn't it? Which is what you're referring to. I think that's that's a huge point there, is that when we're where do I start our objectives? Well, is the objective clear enough that it's clear for the players to be able to understand what it is we're, we're working on? But we've also got to use it to hold ourselves accountable and the players to challenges, as you, as you described, so that by the end of the session we achieve that. Because um, it got me thinking, does every objective have to be written explicitly? Because I don't know if it needs to, you know, because I'm sure there's a million sessions we've all done where we haven't necessarily planned out every objective, but we still know in our mind what it is we're, we're trying to go yeah. after. Um, you know, but it's, we've got to hold ourselves accountable. Like I was thinking about where do you start? I'm trying to go back and back in my mind, you know, for everyone listening is, well, what moment in the game are you? You know, what moment in the game are you working on? What's the actual goal that you're trying to achieve? You know, if it's, well, attacking, I'm throwing this out there, improving whatever, build up to whatever, get the ball into the opponent's half, whatever it may be. Well, is the objective then to to build up from your own half and be able to move the ball forward to to create more chances? And if that's the objective, how is the activities that you've designed aligned with that objective and how are the players getting an understanding of that but when do you recap I, I, that Yaz? You, you know at what point does the objective change because what happens if it's not challenging enough or it wasn't you know what yeah. I mean like you might have designed something in the yeah. session what? but it's actually took us down a, a rabbit hole where right. it's like oh we could no, be working on no, this I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you've, you've said it in the way that you said it as well because I think fundamentally for me if I'm going back to bare bones and I'm saying, right, okay, this is my first session with this group. This is the way I like to coach. and This is the way I like my teams to play, blah, blah, blah. I don't think any of that bloody matters. I do not think any of that bloody matters. I think the first and foremost, and this is what I, I'll stand by, and I say to all the, co- the coaches that I work with, you've got, to, you've got to know for yourself as a coach and you've got to know, you know you, your players for themselves, they need to understand the principles of the game. So... My first, you know, if I'm really going back to bare bones here and I'm saying, where do I start with my session objectives? Well, I'm going to start with the principles of play. Now, yes, I might have a way in which I want the game to be played, but fundamentally, I need to know whether the players actually understand enough about the game and its principles. So if, the, if, if you go back to that, you then use that as a, as a, as a framework of observation, right? Okay, well, ha, 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 you know, through the engagement that we have with the players, the interventions and the interactions... What, what are they demonstrating around the principles? Do they understand the principles? Do they, you know, even if they haven't been able to articulate them and they don't know, you know, we haven't got aligned terminology around around what they are. Are they playing to the principles? Because if they if they're not doing that, then that's where you need to start. Now, we can all have our ideas, and fundamentally, you know, we have different ways of playing. Which, essentially, the way I look at it is this way: you know, the principles of players are there. How 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 we how we choose to demonstrate them as coaches and teams is obviously subjective, but fundamentally we're trying to we should be working towards the principles as a bare minimum. So let's see where the players' minds are taking them and the players' decisions are taking them around what those principles look like, 
and then start to layer on some of the other stuff, then start to agree on those objectives around, well, yeah, well, you know, as a coach, I want to play, I want our teams to play this way. And the players in turn, I say, well, yeah, but actually what you're looking for is it doesn't fit any of what we've got here to offer. So then it has that conversation and that discussion take place around, is your philosophy and the way that you want your team to play aligned with the players that you've got? Or is it just a way of which you're playing and now you're putting square pegs in round holes? Or do you, do you check and challenge your system and, and allow that to fit in with where the, where, you know, the way your, your, your team is profiled? So, that, you know, you've got certain, certain players in your team that will that affect how you want to play? Well, fundamentally, it, it, it probably will. So, therefore, as a base start point, start with your principles of play and see where they take it, see how far, far you know, how closely aligned it is to where you want it to be. And then kind of look at bridging the gaps based on the players that are at your disposal, if that makes sense. No, I think it's a great point because, I mean, I've shared a couple of sessions that I've done in, in two different environments, you know, in the chat, if everyone wants to have a look at it. One where it's of a, a, it's a, an activity that I did at Sporting and then another one with another club. Um, I always go on principles. So if it's, if it's attacking and we're trying to break lines, the principles of how we're playing through, round or over, or if it's finding the free player, like who is the free player? And then what's that principle look like? How are we creating movement to, to you know, uh, create space or deceive, whatever it may be? You know, there's, they don't change, do they, respective of philosophy? So I agree, like, that's really my objective, is whatever sort of session I'm putting on is based on whether we're working on attacking principles or defending principles, if it's, you know, preventing the opponent from being able to play forward, that early pressure or if it's remaining disciplined or whatever it may be, that's, I mean, in effect, that's the objective. And then the player becomes the, the, the practice in a sense. Um, there was one thing I want to ask you, though. I don't know, more for my understanding as well. You said, if I understood you correctly, you said something around, I don't care if, how they play or whatever. Did I understand that right? So you're saying, like, I don't, know, I don't necessarily think it's important um, how they play. Related to the session, did I, did I get um, that right or no? I'm gonna have to because I was gonna ask, like, surely it matters, right? You've got first to... and foremost, but I'm saying I don't care how they play. I think, I think more, more what I'm saying is I'm not worried about what they're doing. The first thing I'm looking at is how closely, in whatever way they're trying to do it, does it meet the game's principle. Right, but everything's got to relate to how we want to play because you've got to have a clear identity. But what, what I mean by that is specifically, I'll give you an example. Are they actually trying to move the ball forward? Or are they just one of those one of those teams that are just trying to hold on to it for the sake of holding on to it? Are they keeping possession and recognising opportunities to penetrate? Or are they actually just, like I said, holding on to it for the sake of holding on to it? So I think that that's probably more what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, right, what, what, what are your intentions here? What are you trying to do? I'm not really bothered about how you do it right now, but what are you actually trying to do? Right? Is it clear that you're actually still of the mind of I, we need to try and get in ahead and go play forward, if that makes sense? Or are you just saying, you know, if, are you one of those uh, teams that, you know, that likes to think, oh, well, staying on the ball means that we don't lose possession of the ball and lo- not losing possession of the ball means the opposition can't score. Well, or, yeah, well, technically, yeah, you're right. But it also means that you can't score if you don't look to go forward. No, I get it. I just, I just thought I'd ask just for clarity because yeah. 
to me, you've, we've got to work on the principles. Like they don't change, irrespective of whatever we've said that. You know, whether it be because they're, they're they're the constants, aren't they? You have got constants and variables. The variables are what the players can do. You know, because if Tony closes me down, that influences my decision. If you stand still or you move, that influences my decision. So when we're talking about developing decision makers, there's always got to be choice and consequence. I know we'll get into that in the other episodes when that links to practice design, because then that relates to the problems that the players are having to solve. Then it becomes more game-like and so forth. So if it's an objective, we want to think about what principle are we trying to train here or develop a deeper understanding of. But then that links to how we want to play because, that, to me, that player has to have a, a, their own imagination, of course. You don't want robots. But they've got to have a clear idea in their mind of, you know, when I get the ball here, my first thought is, can I go forward? Versus shield and protect and go backwards. Yeah. So that might relate to the club, right? Now, another coach, it might be a different preference. But for me, I want, you know, the players that I have, or I'm influencing over, our first action is, can we go yeah. forward all you, the time, even if we're under pressure? So that's, do you know what I mean? So then that leads to how you want to yeah, play. Because if that's how you want to play, that's that's got to be embedded within the objective. I probably would have, I probably would have been more inclined to agree with you maybe about a year ago. Um, but in, in the last in the last 12 months or so, I've been, I've been doing, let's just say I've been doing a lot more coaching than I have in the couple of years prior to it. And spend a lot more time working with youth players in particular. One of the biggest things I've kind of observed is if you want them to play forward, right, in their heads is play forward at all costs. So they're playing, they're making attempts to play forward when it shouldn't even be played forward. And what I mean by that is I've seen it so many times. I don't know whether it's just my observations of this or where other people, other people can relate, but young players in particular they will see a player physically standing in front of them and think that they can pass the ball through them. It's like, hold on a second, did you not see that player? Oh, yeah. So, so, so why did you pass it? Oh, I don't know, because I wanted to play forward. It's like, okay, well, you kind of need to know and you kind of need to recognise if there's a player in front of you, you can't just kick it through them. And it, it, it's, it's almost that, that mentality of, in in principle, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to play forward, but they... they, they they're almost so ingrained in trying to do that that they miss out, actually, this isn't the time to do it. Or rather, if this is going to be a time I do it, because of what I'm seeing in front of me and what's around me, I can't do it in the way that I would typically do it. And there's not enough consideration around what that looks like in, 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 any, of those, in any of those cases, if that makes sense. So I think, yeah, like I said, no, no, maybe a year ago, I probably would have said, yeah, it is, it is heavily dependent on how you want to play, but it's also heavily dependent on how the players perceive it and what they actually take into account as in, as an important consideration. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, they they. I think a, a danger we often do as coaches is we try and impose our perception or our solution of the game upon the players, don't we? When actually they're playing the game and they might see something better than we do. And I mean, I'll give an example. This is probably going more towards coaching behaviors and session objectives. But I remember um, putting a rule on and I was saying, Can you play forward? Can you play forward? And this was me, like, not commentating, almost like trying to hustle the behavior in a session. But it was the wrong thing. Because in that moment, what the player did is maybe to your point, force possession. 
Oh, I'll tell you what it was. It was. I'm sure you've done it before. It's, if it's used correctly, it, it works. The number of passes you make equals the number of goals you score. Now, I was doing that because I wanted them to keep the ball because they're forcing it too much. But there was a chance. I was like, play, play, play. Now, where can you go? Whatever. And I'm encouraging him to play, but actually it was on to play forward. So it almost became that it was like counterproductive, really, because the players forced the pass to um, to keep it. Because I kept saying, keep it, keep it. Can we keep it? But there was actually a moment to play forward and eliminate. And then, you know, that was where I, I went up to the boy and was like, hey, that's on me. This pitcher's a better option or whatever. And he can see it. So I do agree with you. But then I'm interested to see what, you know, what everyone in the room thinks as well. You know, Tony, anyone chime in? Because um, I think this is what this is about, isn't it? It's these debates. Um, my My question in my mind, though, is that, yes, we have to be careful of absolutes. And we've got to be careful of, you know, imposing our solution, our perception upon the player. The whole objective should be how can we tap into the perception of the player? So that comes to your latter point. But at the same time, we th- those kids can't not know how we want to play or how we want them to be creative because if they don't know what they're going to do, like because I see so many teams where there's like individuals. And you can always tell these certain players where they go to a certain school of coaching, if you like, and they're just doing random stepovers for the sake of it. But they're not necessarily efficient with it or productive. Or they're just doing random individual actions on the ball. But to what point? And they don't necessarily know, like, if we get the ball in this area, this is what can hurt the opposition. Now, I know the game is unscripted, it's, it's not, you know, do you know what I mean? But there are certain things that don't change, well, aren't there? I was like, literally spacing behind. Play I was literally behind. having this conversation um, yesterday or, or the day before, and I was saying, there's so many times, right? I don't know if you've ever experienced. it. I'm sure you have, but where you do it, you do an intervention, right? And you, I might say to you, right, Gerard, just just stop standing still, whatever, whatever. Right, Joe, just move over here for a second. I just want to see what I need you to do is just move over here. Right, you've moved over there, and someone or a couple of them subconsciously they also move. Now, for me, one of my, <laughs> I think it's probably one of my favorite phrases now that I think about it. Well, most common use, I, I literally turn around and say to the players, Right, did anyone see that? And they'll be like, What? Well, what happened? What happened? I'm saying, Well, what did you just do? And what did you just do? Oh, yeah, yeah, I just stepped across. Okay, brilliant. So, did everyone see that? Right? And it's to paint the picture. And, and I always finish up by saying, I did not make this up. This is what happens. They've made a decision off the back of that. There is a decision that you are probably going to make off the back of everything you see. Now, it's not going to be the same every time. What you need to get in the habit of doing is you say, right, well, if that's what they're likely to do, because whenever I do this, I see them do that. Okay, prepare for that. But then also, then you ask yourself, well, what if? What if they didn't do that? Right? What are the other likely situations? Well, well, you prepare for the probable one. And in your mind, you think, okay, I might have to deal with that too. So you have two solutions almost going into every situation. Now, you're right, the game is not scripted, but fundamentally, there are some things that just happen and we can almost 
you know, with enough insight, with enough experience, enough observation, you can almost predict what's going to happen. Because, well, why wouldn't it happen? And not saying it's going to happen every time, but I think if you start viewing it from that lens, comes back to what you're saying, the players need to know what they're going to be working towards. Now, I don't believe um, we need to necessarily tell them how to get there all the time because we can allow them, to, we can support them on the journey and ex- exploring different ways to do it. But I think the beauty of that is we allow them to show us different ways of achieving the outcome. But we, we, but we have to be clear in setting the outcome. We have to be clear in setting the outcome because if we leave the outcome to chance or we leave the outcome in a grey area, they could end up anywhere. But we need, if we give them black and white outcomes and allow a bit of grey area on the journey away to it, then we can work with them to see what might work best. But it's also nothing wrong, in my opinion, of saying, hey, I've seen X number of players do this. I've worked with so-and-so and done this before. And this is how he does it. And guess what? It works every bloody time. I think you should try it. Now, try it. Have a play around with it. See how it works for you. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, let's let's explore it. Because, But I'm fairly confident it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, I'm now saying, well, I've seen this work so many times. It's not to say that it's definitely going to work. But in order for me to know it works, I also know what can stop it from working, right? And I asked this question recently, and I'm going on a bit of a, a, bit of a tangent here, but I think it's relevant. When we're looking at coaching sessions, are we coaching in possession or out of possession, right? And what's our preference? A lot of people say, you know, I prefer coaching uh, defending because it's organised. Okay, brilliant. Um, how well-versed are you and experienced are you and knowledgeable you in what will unorganise that organised defence that you're coaching? Or vice versa. If, you're, if your thing is to coach attacking football and, you, and that's your preference, how well-versed are you, experienced and knowledgeable enough to coach the type of defending which will stop it from being creative as, you, as you're trying to coach it? Now, in my opinion, unless you... Unless you address and accept that actually they both go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You can't have strong defences if you don't have strong attacking, attacking players and vice versa. Well, they need, to, they need to be playing at that same pace. They need to be playing at that same challenge. In fact, one of the, my fundamental principles when I'm looking at delivering any type of session is if I'm working in possession, the first thing I'm doing is making sure that the out position is as tight as, as, tight as possible and vice versa. Because if it's not, what are we training? What are we actually training? Again, I've gone on a bit of a tangent there, but go on, Gerard. No, I think it's important to get Tony in and a few others. I, I agree. We've said it before. I mean, the, on that, when we're thinking about objectives, there's got to be an objective for everyone, aren't there? In the sense of if you're working on an attacking, how are you managing the opposition to create a problem for you? So those whoever the defenders are, their objective has got to be yeah. X and it's got to be clear. But yeah, I agree. I, mean, but, but I think really quickly, just on that point, it's, it's, it's more specifically highlighting that. How, how you, you know, if you've got a preference that you're going to coach and what you want to coach, how do you, you know, what comes next? What comes next? Once they've got to the level where you want them to get to, what comes next? You know, it's, it's almost like if you, if you like, it's the difference between coaching maybe a, 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 a Martinelli over a Kevin De Bruyne. Martinelli is still he's still growing. He's still potential. There's still you know there's still so many things that you can give him that you know um, you don't necessarily have to be the, the best coach in the world to be able to obtain that level of information to be able to give to give to him what he needs to take him to the next level where he's at. Whereas a Kevin De Bruyne, if he's now already doing what he's doing against the best players in the world, what's the next level for him? What's the next layer? You know how how far can you unpack and unwind and you know, counter what's happening in front of them.
sorry, Tone. My thing cut out for a second. But yeah, I was just you just wrap up on that point. But Tony, welcome. Good evening. How are you? I'm good, fellas. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, there's, there was like half a dozen points came out in the last two minutes, which kind of uh, all, all sort of. Get, Tony. Can you hear me now? Is that all right? Hello. Can we hear me? Yeah, got you better. All right, cool. Uh, th- yeah, there's a few things that all came out together there for me. Um, I've been listening pretty much from the start. But th- those last few things, the, the first thing that prompted me to, to speak was when when you, Yaz, said about you might move a player to, to make a point, uh, and while you're moving that player, other players move. Um, quite often I find that happening. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll put the the pressure back on them a little bit and say, well, why did you move? Inevitably, the phrase that I would have used in the past was, well, I didn't tell you to move, you're cheating, just stand there for a minute. Um, but if they do make that move, then that's a great opportunity for you then to to question the other players. Right? Well, what would you do now? If he's going to do that because he now knows that I want X, Y, Z, what can you do differently? So that that was the the point that I wanted to make around that. Then coming on to something that, that Gerard was was saying with regards to if if my session objectives are playing out from the back, for example, then the byproduct of that, if I manage the session correctly, is working with a high press, for example. If you know you don't want it to be too easy to play out from the back. So although my stated session objectives might be to try to improve my team on playing out from the back. There, there's going to be a byproduct. Now, if you've got an assistant coach, uh, which I don't have the luxury of, of always working with, um, you've got to manage your assistant coach to say, look, this is this, the objectives of this session are playing out from the back. You only step in and coach your little bit when I when I come out and bring the focus of the session, I think it's a great point, Tony. I think just to add add another layer on that, I think it's really important that we remember as coaches, we're all going to have different perceptions, right? So if we're talking about working with another coach in particular, and we're talking about whatever the topic is, have we had that conversation so that we understand what, what we both interpretate as playing out of the back, you know? What is, what is that coach's interpretation of it? Well, how do I view playing out from back? Because the last thing you want now is just saying, yeah, you go and coach your bit. And it's, I've, I've had this recently. And I think it was a, the guy, was co- the guy was, uh, I was working with on this day, coaching recovery runs. And he's basically said to the player, right, you've just been beaten, basically. Now I want you to recover. But the person who's the person who's already in a position to defend is about 10 yards away. I'm saying, well, well, no, that's no, because if they come out now from 10 yards away in the period of that, that other player's coming back and that player's coming up, you've just left the other player through on goal. And it, 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 it's no right or wrong to it, but fundamentally, we need to make sure that as coaches, we're coaching the same picture and the same image because otherwise, there's going to be mixed messages for the players in that respect as well. So I think, yes, yeah, a really, really, really key point for me on that one, Tone. Yeah, you've definitely got to have some form of, um, well, ideally um, club alignment, but definitely team alignment. If I'm working with 
with one other coach, then we need to be on on the same page when it comes to this all this terminology, whatever it is, playing out from the back, um, you know, creating opportunities from wide areas, whatever the topic is, we've got to be aligned on that so that we, we you know, we aren't coaching with mixed messages. Um, and like I say, it, it, it's having that, that's that experience, I guess. And that, that idea of, of session management, who's in charge of the session, what are you going to do at what point? And then at what point am I going to allow the assistant coach, if you like, to take not take over, but to coach his side of that particular game. Um, yeah, I think that's probably it because I didn't, I haven't written anything down. No, I love it, Tony. Thanks for sharing. I mean, I think a great summary point for everyone is when we're talking about these principles, having a main principle that we're working on, but then there's got to be a counter principle to that. So to your point, it's that everything's interlinked. I think that links into everything we're talking about, even with developing decision makers, is when we're, when we're training something, it's even in simple terms like attack v defence practices, but they're so simple, but they're so brilliant in the same respect just because if we've got our team organised and our playing through pressure and the other team's working on preventing them from being able to do that it's interlinked you're interleaving information so for the players you're not you're not purely focusing on one but without them realising it they're getting a benefit of everything they're learning how to deal with different challenges the defenders are learning how to prevent them if the opposition do this or if that centre-back gets the ball and decides to take a bigger touch and dribble and break the line with a dribble, well, then what? Because then they've got pasture, so then how do you prevent it from there? But at the same time, if the opposition are organised in such a way, well, then do we do this now to play out or play forward? So everything's interlinked. And in that way, it's, it almost becomes like a spiral of learners. You know, there's that phrase, spiral curriculum. So I think that's a, a great point, session when we're thinking about session objectives for me i just wanted to add one point i don't think we've spoken about it which is i know we talked earlier about the accountability for me it's the reflection how many of us will you know i mean it's different vocab with every federation objectives session aims training goals whatever but we're all really talking about the same thing if we set these how well do we actually reflect on them that's my question to to the group do we hold ourselves accountable, allow the players to hold us accountable to go, hey, we set this, but did we even achieve it? And if not, why not? And if so, how so? Because often I think we design these things, but then we just move on to the next session, don't we? Well, actually, no, did we even achieve what we said we were going to go out to achieve? And if we didn't, why didn't we? Was it because we didn't spend long enough? Was it because the, the activity wasn't organised? There weren't enough realism, transitions, whatever it may be. Go on, no, go on. Tony's got his hand up first. Go for it, Tony. I was just going to say um, that if you, I think that in my opinion, if you strict, um, structure your, your training programme appropriately, and, and I'll just use the same examples that I used before. So if my session objectives for this week are playing out from the back, but next week my session objectives are um, 
working with a high press, for example, you do get an element of double reinforcement. So I'm not going to do playing out from the back this week. Um, and then next week, I'm going to work on uh, creating chances from midfield, for example. So you, you do get an element of, of double reinforcement. So next week, I'm, I'm, I'm deliberately working with the strikers on preventing playing out from the back. Um, so that what what was the sort of the secondary aim the first week now becomes the primary aim on the second week. That's it in a nutshell. I love it. I mean, this is why. So one of the things we introduced at Sporting, we talked about this spiral curriculum. That way, everything's revisiting the messages over and over. And I mean, we've actually found that even when we've been talking more exactly the, the scenarios you explained there even if it's more the attacking or whatever, or maybe more defending. And over a few sessions, we're focusing more on the defending. The attackers have naturally got better because of the, the different type of problems they're having to deal with. So it's it's a, it's a double win. So I agree with you. I think it's a great way to, to think about viewing the session as a whole, is that how are we designing these problems that are interlinked? Because if they're interlinked, then we're developing an, uh, that deepening understanding of the objective, but also the principles of how we want them to, to play in those moments. So, this is a brilliant point, Tony. Yeah, definitely. And just to kind of tail on to the back end of that as well, I think it's really important. First of all, um, none of this can be done using unopposed practice or rondos. <laughs> Second of all, I think it's just really important for us to understand as coaches, and more, more importantly to us as the coach, there is no right or wrong way to do this. Um, the session objectives but coming back to the piece that you talked about reflection Jared I think the easiest way and one of the suggestions I would have for coaches is have your objectives but have a clear understanding for yourself and your players of what it would look like if done successfully and then you've got I think probably the biggest grey area in this and the biggest challenge for you is how often is often enough for it to be considered successful so if they've done it 10 times, is them being able to do it picture perfect once out of those 10 times, them achieving the goal and you're saying, yes, I saw them do it today. Well, yeah, you might have saw them do it, but it was once out of 10 times. Whereas, is it probably successful when it gets to six or seven? I mean, there's no right or wrong answer here. But, well, I can tell you one is probably the wrong answer. Um, because if they haven't been able to do it before, then that goal that you set them for one out of 10 is probably too high anyway. But fundamentally, it's just looking at, right, again, looking at the picture. What does it look like if it's successful and how often would make it successful is, is probably the question. But again, coming back to that that example I gave about Kevin De Bruyne, if they get in success, once they've got there, what next? Do you know what's next? Do you know what problem you're going to have to put in front of them or how to put the problem in front of them that's going to make it even harder for them to achieve success next time? Not because you don't want to see them get the success, but because you want to see them perform it at a higher level. And that's probably the only question I would have and consideration I would say for coaches to think about on this one. Go for it, Tom. Yeah, I think that that, that point is a really well-made point because of the example might not be the greatest, with, with all due respect, in terms of you know the likes of a Kevin De Bruyne because very few of us are going to work with players that are, that are at that level. I take your point about you know, where's the next way to challenge them? 
But when we're working with, with our players, be it grassroots academy, uh, whatever, I think that your knowledge, this is, this is down to you now as a coach, your knowledge of session design, session objectives, knowing when a player is plateauing out, do you know what to do next to, to make the challenge that little bit more difficult in order to improve that player and therefore improve your team? I think you're spot on, sir. And I think I use Kevin De Bruyne as a sole example. It's like, it could be so difficult to find out what the next step is to make him even better and actually have the knowledge and experience and the detail that goes with that. And yes, you're right. Fundamentally, not majority of us, probably none of us will ever work with Kevin De Bruyne. But the point I'm making, and I really want to kind of really, you know, exaggerate is, do we know what's next? How well prepared are we for what's next? What do they need next? Because if they're getting the success that you're claiming that they're getting and their objectives are being met based on what you set for them, what now? What are we doing next? How do we make it better? How do we get them to the next level? How do we make the challenges harder for them? Keeping it appropriate, but harder nonetheless. And, and that's, that's really what I'm going after because I think one of the, the biggest, you know, if you like, rabbit holes people can fall into is They've seen the success and they keep it there and they keep it there, keep it there. But they're not keeping it there because they want to keep it there or because they, 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 you know, they're keeping it there because they don't know what to do next. They don't know the next level. They haven't seen it. They haven't gone enough, you know, gone outside of the, their comfort zone and actually studied the game part well enough and looked at, well, how do I make this player even better? In fact, before I even do that, how do I make the opposition counter what I've asked this player to do? And then it comes, you know, it just, it just goes back and forth. You fix the out possession, you fix the in position. You fix the out possession, fix the in position, and it just becomes a constant cycle. But you know, it's just more just a challenge. Do you know what's next? And if so, it's not an issue if you if you do or you don't. But what are you doing to get to know if you don't know? And if you are have a you know just on a side note as well, if you have a preference of out possession, do you know what it's going to take in possession to un- you know to unbalance that and and, un- and unpick it, and vice versa? If you you know if you have a preference of coaching. In possession, do you know how to get the defence working well enough to stop it from happening? So, yeah, just a final point for me on that one then, Tone. But much appreciate your thoughts as well. Gerard? No, I think these are all top-class points. I mean, just in summary, we spoke a lot, didn't we, about starting with the end in mind, beginning with the end in mind. There's a, I'd encourage everyone to check out, if you don't already know him, Doug Lamov. Because years ago, I was fortunate in New York when I first met him, uh, probably 2014 or 2015, 16, I can't remember what it was. Um, basically, he was doing a workshop and he's an a, a, a expert in teaching and learning. And he was talking exactly as you and Tony have just described there, just around session objectives, but actually thinking about what does good look like? What does bad look like? What does success look like? And, and that was almost helping him design the actual session because he was planning for the what ifs so what could go wrong because <laughs> we never instead of being reactive while she coaching live in the moment and that's okay as well that's a good skill to recognize hang on a minute this isn't working how do i change it or the players are cheating you know that's good as well the players have figured it out and the 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 it's too easy Yes, you have to have those skills to be able to adapt live. But if you can think about that beforehand, that's just really good planning. So how can we be better at planning ahead of time? So what could go wrong? What could go well? How how can we amplify? So I think, 
just in summary, Yaz, I think these are these are really, really good points. And anyone who wants to know more, check out, you know, Doug Lamov. He's got a ton of resources on it as well. Um, a lot of the stuff that we've already discussed. So I'm going to post in the chat now for everyone. It's been a really good interactive conversation. You know, if there's any other questions or comments, anyone wants... Oh, great. Yaz has actually just shared. Yaz did a, a podcast with him on the Coaches Network, so listen to it. It's a great one. Um, if anyone's got any other comments, please feel free. Uh, I'm going to share in the chat now uh, how you can complete your self-reflection. So I've just shared this right now. So please click on the link. You should be able to see that. It's in the thread for this Twitter space. So in order to, this event is a, an FA accredited CPD event. In order to be eligible for the CPD, one hour of CPD, uh, please make sure that you click on that link. That way you're registered for the event. You've engaged, you've listened. It's a short, super short uh, online Google form. It'll ask you to reflect uh, on the key messages from tonight. Once you submit that, then you're all squared away and you, you're eligible for the CPD. So the the thing to try and think about for tonight as you're filling this out is we're using this triangle, circle, square reflection model. And you can try this with your players as well. Triangle is what stuck out to you. Circle, you know, what's still swirling around? What are you confused about? What do you, you still need to figure out more about? And square is what what's um, like. Oh, so triangle is more the, the the key points, the three key messages. And then square is what really made sense to you. What's squared off? So just have a think. What are the key objectives from tonight that you've took away? The key takeaways. Upload that in your comments. It doesn't have to be exhaustive. It can be just a few little comments. That reflective tool is more designed just to to allow you to think. Um, you don't have to do triangle, circle, square. You can do all three or you can just do one. There's no right or wrong answer. It's your reflections. But once you do that, you've completed the, the self-reflection and then you'll you'll be eligible for the for the CPD. We've got a series of events coming up, haven't we, Yaz? So we've got the next few weeks, <coughs> excuse me, is where we're going to be doing these Twitter spaces every Sunday. And that'll lead into a webinar that we're going to be doing, which is another two-hour FA accredited CPD event on Wednesday, the 19th of July. So if you haven't registered, please make sure you do so. We can also drop the link in the chat as well. Is there anything from you, Yaz, before we close off? Yes, just really quickly. So um, the, we won't be holding a space next week. So we'll be back on the following week where you can um, engage with the CPD stuff and the spaces that we've got set up. And just a quick um, heads up for everyone that does do it your CPD hours will not be reflected on your fan account immediately. So there will be a cut-off point at, at which point will probably be the 21st of July um, off the top of my head where everything will be submitted, uploaded and, and you should be able to claim your CPD hours after that. So you have got a couple of weeks um, after each kind of space, I guess, if you like, to, to complete the self-reflection task. Um, whether you do one, whether you do two, whatever you end up doing gets gets counted for um, and you have got an opportunity to listen to this back if you haven't heard it in full or if you missed anything that you want to kind of go over again um, to do that. So there's no rush to get that done either, but um, bear in mind there will be a cut-off point of the 21st of July um, to get any CPD hours for this next, uh, next four uh, Twitter spaces as well as the webinar coming up on the 19th. And then, yeah, final note, just make sure you're following us, guys. Coaches Network Podcast. Um, you learn, Bleak, follow myself and Gerard and keep an update 
on any of our future CPD opportunities or any of the conversation be taking place. Brilliant. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. Have a great rest of the weekend. Happy Father's Day again. And look forward to seeing you uh, on the next one. Take care, mate. Everyone. And everyone else as well. Thank you very much for your time. Take care. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.